You're listening to the Three Pixels Tech Gaming and Movie Podcast. Bonus episode, Movie First Impressions, presented and edited by Alan Taylor. Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new special edition of First Impressions. The reason it's such a special edition this week is because we are joined by Three Pixels' very own executive producer, Chris Huskins. Hey Chris, how are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. No problem, it's great to have you here. I'm really, really excited. Obviously, um, to give a bit of backstory, we got given some screening tickets to go and see this movie, but you guys couldn't go, right? You just got busy diaries. I get it. (laughs) Um, So I got to go in instead, and that's why I'm excited. And we're so excited to have you on the podcast this week because you're going to be talking to us about Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg's sci-fi action adventure epic based on the 2011 book of the same name. And just before we get into hearing your first thoughts and your first impressions of Ready Player One, just set us up. What is the movie about? Yeah, so I mean, I saw someone say that this is Steven Spielberg's sort of real smash into the 21st century, and I definitely agree. So the film is Ready Player One, and it is based around a guy that creates a a VR immersive world um, called The Oasis. And it's set in 2045 in the US and everything has changed. So everyone lives for being in this virtual reality world, which kind of has this kind of black mirror feel that actually it could go that way, right? So it's set like this and people are living in shanty towns because it's all about what's in the oasis in this VR world. And uh, James Halliday created this and with his death, he releases a video to everyone that's in the oasis or uses the oasis to say that he has hidden three keys that lead to an Easter egg within the game. And the person that finds these three keys and then the Easter egg passing the tests, almost in a Charlie the Chocolate Factory-esque kind of task thing, basically wins the rights to the Oasis. They will win it, they will run the whole thing, and they will get his entire load of money, which I think is something like a trillion dollars in the film. So it's based around and it starts with a young teenager who is that kind of age old story of he's lost his parents, he's living with his auntie and he is really into this VR game and chasing the the whole James Halliday Easter egg thing against some rather awful sort of corporate people whereas a company who were second in the world of making VR games have just hired huge armies of of gamers to try and win the easter egg so that they can take over the entire industry that sounds really interesting actually i haven't read the book personally so i think that's worth mentioning all i've had to go on so far are the trailers so let's cut to the trailer and have a listen this is the oasis it's a place where the limits of reality are your own imagination People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do, but they stay because of all the things they can be. I'm here talking to all of you now because our future is being threatened. In the Oasis, I found something much bigger than myself. I found my friends. I found love. Ask yourself, are you willing to fight? So, Chris, the name of the game is First Impressions. What did you think as you walked out of the cinema? I genuinely loved this. 
and I wasn't sure whether I would or not. So I wanted to read the book before I got there, but the screening sort of caught up with me. So I only, well, I, I listened to about 20 minutes of the audiobook. So I had an idea what I was going into, but I had no idea how well it was going to be done. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that it was really refreshing to go into something knowing it wasn't going to be set up for like a, a 10 movie saga or a trilogy, which seems to be all the rage now. <laughs> and it is really nice sometimes to know you're watching a complete product uh, because you're getting the whole book. You are getting just this one book. It's not being split up into three movies like The Hobbit. Uh, you are just getting this one product. You're getting a complete story from beginning to end. Yeah, and that that kind of... I mean, I've got nothing against some of those films. I mean, I still love the Marvel films and all that kind of thing. But I knew that I was going to get a complete story here. So that was really satisfying in the first off. But the film really appealed to me because I've played games for a long, long time. <laughs> I've been a gamer for, for 20 years. And the amount of references throughout the film on games is incredible. You can be any avatar in this VR world. And so people are choosing to be Halo characters back from like Halo 1. Yes, I saw that in the trailer. There's in the final trailer, it shows as well. So this isn't a spoiler, but the Iron Giant yep. is a character within it. Just every character you can imagine is in there. And there are really tiny little references in there as well. So at one point, one of the characters just grabs a gun out of their inventory. And it's clearly like the uh, gun from Gears of War. Oh. Yeah, the Lancer. That's it, yeah. The, 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 and it gets blown up straight away and explodes oh, because cool. of the <laughs> chainsaw. And it just, those little references really made it great for me. I, that was my first impression. I just absolutely loved that about it. So it's interesting you said that you felt like this had references for you and this was made for you. Because watching the trailer and just listening to the trailer now, it felt like this movie has a lot of the trappings of young adult fiction. Yeah. We have these kids that are in a dystopian future. They are being set challenges to compete against this uh, government or corporate tyranny. Yeah. Like you've seen in Hunger Games, Allegiant yeah. uh, and Maze Runner. And I really thought that the latest Maze Runner was going to be the final nail in this genre's coffin. <laughs> but around the corner walks Oscar winning, critically acclaimed Steven Spielberg <laughs> with Ready Player One under his arm and seems to have got everyone buzzed yeah. and has just breathed a breath of fresh air into this genre. So how has he differentiated it from those movies that seem to be dying out and just opened it up to a whole new demographic, which includes you? I think because it's so close to something that we think could happen. And I think that um, it's not unbelievable like I say I mentioned Black Mirror yeah. and the things that happen in there and that is genuinely frightening and a bit dark and a quite adult themed in places because you could actually see them happening and we can see we could almost see this happening the VR headsets that are used in it and they're not called VR but the Oasis headsets are very similar to what we see in like the Google Daydream or the the Sony headset and all those things they look very similar right and so it, um, it does embrace yeah. the social commentary side of it as well yes and i think yeah absolutely that's a, that's a perfect way of saying it it does it does embrace that social commentary that you get from those sorts of things so that's made it adult the references i think there's something in there for everyone. And I think you'd have to watch it four or five times to see every single reference. <laughs> so the way that they've used all of them means that it's approachable to anyone along that sort of spectrum, whether they've been gaming or not. 
the other thing as well that was fantastic is I went with my wife and she's not a gamer. She's obviously seen me play games for the, or put up with me playing games for the years we've been married. Um, But she's not a gamer and she still loved it as well. So that was really quite interesting. So you mentioned all the references that you were you noticed and even just listening to the trailer and watching the trailer, you can just see that it's just seeping with nostalgia. Yeah. And I was wondering, how does Spielberg use the nostalgia? How does he implement it in a meaningful way in Ready Player One? Because I've seen so many movies that tries to trigger that nostalgia part of your brain But it feels like the producers just have a checklist of things they think people will recognize. (laughs) Uh, You know, you've got the DeLorean, you've got uh, the Iron Giant, you've got Velociraptors, whatever. But you seem to really enjoy the nostalgia part of this movie. How has Spielberg implemented it in, in a way that feels meaningful to the plot and to the characters? I think he's learned from films that have done it really well recently. So there's, there's Halliday, um, the, the guy that's in it and, has put the Easter egg in was obsessed with the eighties, for example. So it's almost that got that Guardians of the Galaxy feeling that they're all loads of the music is from the eighties. Um, one of the the weapons in it is a Rubik's cube, <laughs> and so he's learned from those from the brilliance of Guardians of the Galaxy. Some of the some of the stuff from sort of Deadpool, those sorts of movies, and I think he's really used that well. The way that it sort of ties into the characters is because, as I said before, it doesn't feel um unrealistic because it's set in a game world and so even to the point where the cgi seems amazing because they're not trying to make it look real they're trying to make it look like games is everything inside of oasis cgi or are the actors represented in there as well so they're they're cgi so as soon as they go into the world they become their avatar there's a point where king kong comes out but you're not trying to look like he's not trying to make it look like he's a gorilla in the real world it's a cgi king kong in a game world so it doesn't it doesn't have that pressure i think yeah and it it can allow itself to be cg and embrace the qualities that would in other movies make that stand out poorly yeah what would you say the split is between what how much time we're spending in oasis and how much we're seeing of the real world. Oh, it's difficult to say. I'd say that it's probably a, at least 60% pushing on 70% in Oasis, okay. but it does cut to the real world. And there's a, some great scenes at the end and I won't give it away. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. But that you're flicking to things that are happening in the real world because the evil company have decided that it's not just about the Oasis anymore. They, they're they willing to do whatever's necessary. And so they're sort of attacking the real world people whilst the good guys, if you like, are trying to win the game in the Oasis because they know overall that will win. And so you're getting a good cut between things that are happening to the main character, Wade, in his suit, sort of suspended on a running machine, um, being hit and knocked about. And that's representing in... You're seeing him get thrown around in the Oasis when he's just trying to do normal things. So you get this really lovely cut between the two and the the two worlds merge in that way. Maybe if they're a small guy, they're an absolute giant in the Oasis and vice versa and they're not who they seem, which which is another sort of social commentary about the way that the internet is and gaming and stuff. And that, that has some hilarious consequences. Obviously, it was based on the 2011 book so there will be some constraints but even just watching the trailer even listening to the trailer you could just feel it dripping with Spielberg's essence 
I was wondering, do you think Spielberg was the right person to make this movie? Because from what you've said, it sounds like Oasis is his world. You can't talk about pop culture from the 70s, 80s and 90s without talking about <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Yes. And I can see this being a nice introspective for him to look back at his career and think about his influence and impact on pop culture and cinema. But on the other hand, the movie is about kids using this world, using Oasis as escapism. And there does feel like there is this thread of social mm. commentary that you mentioned before as well. And I'm expecting either an astounding yes or an astounding no. Either he's the perfect person to make this because this is his world, he knows it, he's, you know, this is about his impact. And then on the other hand, we could have had someone who will look critically at the way uh, the consumer market is being targeted by nostalgia, the way we're using it to escape from reality. The book might not even delve into these themes, so I might be going in the complete wrong direction, but it does feel like this is a good opportunity to look at these sorts of aspects. And the thing with Steven Spielberg is he makes two very different types of movies. On one hand, we've got these charming, sensational uh, action adventures. On the other hand, we do have these critical looks, you know, with the post most recent one. And I'm just trying to find out which Spielberg do we have here? Or do we have a good combination of both? I think... Do you know what? It's a hard one to answer. I think he did an incredible job. So I think he was the right person to make it for exactly what they're going for. Whether or not I think it could have been done more for people our age in a darker way, then maybe that could have been incredible as well. But I'm, I mean, I haven't read the book. I'm only a little bit in. And that seems to have a bit of a fun edge to it. So I think that it had to have someone who wasn't going to make it really dark. I think that it there's a point in the film where there's massive references and parts of one of the levels. If you don't want to hear this, you can switch it off for like five seconds. But one of the levels is from The Shining by Stanley Kubrick. Oh, okay. So there are definitely references for an older audience. Absolutely, yeah. And, and my wife said, well, I haven't seen it, so do I get these bits? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but it's still funny. And they do that really well. And I don't think anyone who isn't of the huge name that Spielberg is could have represented Kubrick's work in a way that you would sort of still respect it, find it funny and it would fit into the film. So I, I think it's a big yes from me that he should do it. If you had asked me before, I would have been like, mm, I'm not sure, but it is a spectacle and it could have gone either way. And yeah, who better to do a, a movie of spectacle and wonder than Spielberg, to be honest. And sometimes I think you worry with him that it's going to be more about the spectacle than the story. But him pulling the story from a book that, that went down really well and ties into all these age groups, it, I think it really, really worked. So best of both worlds, really, for this movie. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that people of all ages could go and see it obviously I got all the references but there were new references that I probably didn't get that younger audiences and younger gamers would probably have got better yes so Chris do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap up as soon as I sat down as soon as it started as soon as things started happening and all these little things kept relating to me I absolutely loved it and I'm so so glad I went so I would totally recommend Alan you have to go and see it I'm sure oh, you're a gamer right yes absolutely <laughs> yeah. so I, I'm sure you're going to absolutely love it um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts yes but I'll have to wait until the 28th unfortunately definitely go and see it and if you haven't and you enjoyed the sound of the trailer at the beginning of this go and watch I think there's three 
three trailers out for it and they will definitely excite you. Yes, go watch those trailers now and let us know, are you super excited for this movie or are you scared that it's not going to live up to the books? The email is hello at the3pixels.com and a massive thank you to Chris for coming in and chatting about Ready Player One with us. It's my pleasure, loved it. Uh, Can't wait to have you on the show again. Yeah, great, thanks very much. Thank you very much everyone for listening and goodbye. You've been listening to the Three Pixels podcast, a production by Alan Taylor, music provided by Epidemic Sound, and exec produced by Abrupt Audio. With that, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Good night.